Open your Bible to the book of Romans. We are going to uh, finish the book of Romans by the end of next year. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't, don't, it, it. It should feel refreshing because there's so many different topics in it. Uh, and that's one of the benefits of doing this type of uh, book of the Bible study is you get to hit so many different topics. Rather than spend three hours on one topic, man, you get to go through so many different topics. It's very thrilling because it helps you fill in uh, the, the gaps in your brick laying. You're building a house, you gotta have mortar everywhere, you gotta have every brick laid, and that's what this type of studying does for you. So we're uh, in Romans chapter five. We did some, some parts of it, but I wanted to uh, read it. Verse one, chapter five, verse one. We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have a, access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. All I heard was one grunt. I heard one little tiny groan. Hmm. See, that's what happens, because you, like, you don't usually read this scripture. You don't usually read this scripture and pray it and confess it and quote it. Like when was the last time you sat there and, okay, okay, Lord, I glory in my tribulation. Glory to, no, you skip over to the, he has blessed me with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. You skip over to, my God shall supply all of my need. We're so limited sometimes, so elementary in our prayer life. You're going to have to do the whole thing and man, you'll see, you'll see. If you'll do a scripture, it'll take you a notch up and you can see better. You got to learn how to uh, rejoice or glory in tribulations, uh, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance or endurance or patience, same word, and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Last time we went through hope, real Bible hope does not disappoint you. All your disappointments were not because you had real Bible hope. It was because your hope was flimsy on wishing with no strength of destiny or faith to get there. So we, we covered that last week. But just notice these things are connected here. Everybody needs some character. Amen. We're not talking about you being a character. You need some strength of character. And you won't get it if you can't glory in tribulation. Come on. If you don't learn how to endure with your head up and your smile on your face, you won't have good character. You'll be a, a wavering Christian, up on the good and down on the bad and never constant valley and mountaintop. It's like, I don't know if I want to call them. They might be in the valley today. No, you need to learn how to be constant and secure and stable with great stability of character. You have to learn how to glory in tribulation because things in life are not gonna go your way. Things in life are not gonna go your way. Many times, what are you gonna do about it? Well, many people get thrown by it. There's a lot of backsliders that are backslidden because something didn't go their way. And backsliders always blame God for why things didn't go their way. You have to gravitate toward God. You, you can't run from God when things don't go. You gotta go toward God. And so you can't judge God by what you think he didn't do. That's where a lot of people are lukewarm now and backslidden now. They believe in Jesus, but they're fed up with trying to trust God because they blame him. That's not allowed. Listen, you cannot allow that in yourself. Like if you had a friend that knew that you were doing that, you should let them give you a little slap on the face. And Jesus said both sides. <laughs> but since you don't necessarily have somebody that you share those deep thoughts with, you have to do it to yourself. You got to slap yourself and get out of blaming God for your disappointments. Okay. Very important for you because real hope does not disappoint. All right. Now here's why. Here's why you got to keep God close rather than push God away as if he had something to do with your problem. Verse five, now the hope does not disappoint because the love of God 
has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. There's something about this love of God in us that keeps us close if you'll believe this. So the love of God is, is not just a, a, an emotion. It's not a feeling that you drum up during the music time. The love of God is a, is a spiritual uh, substance that's in us only after we're saved. No one in the world without Christ has the love of God. That means no one can experience God's love in their heart until they're saved. No one. Because the love of God is only shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now, if you've received Jesus, then the Spirit has sealed you. And down on the inside of you is the love of God. Now, you may not detect it. You may not sense it yet, but you need to. Amen. There's a high challenge for us to cultivate that love and experience that love and live from that love of God including how it relates to our hopes and dreams and, and prayers. Real hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God is in here and would never let you blame God. The love of God would never let you blame people. The love of God would never let you get out of sorts because you were disappointed in something. Why? Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. Changes everything. So Christians are supposed to be real different. Amen. Born again people have the love of God and that's, that's a game changer. Amen. Sinners don't have the love of God. Never expect a sinner to act right. Amen. Good word. They, can't. they can't. Sinners are going to treat people wrong. They're going to be criminals. They're going to be liars, murderers, haters. They're going to be ornery. They're going to be people you don't really want to hang out with. You want to save them, but you can't hang out with them because they're just bad. They're corrupted just like you were. I mean, maybe not Elaine, but everybody else in the whole room corrupted. You might have been the, the happiest, most jovial person out there, but if you didn't have Christ in you, you were not, you were corrupt. You know you were. So never expect a corrupt person to act right, talk right, think right, treat you right. And and be merciful to Christians because though the love of God is in us, sometimes Christians have suppressed it so much. And we're going to see how to fix that tonight. It's important that you understand the love is in you, but you're not always living it, are you? Like your feelings are getting way too hurt all the time, aren't they? Okay, the love of God would never let its feelings get hurt. I mean, it doesn't even have a chance. I'm so confident in the love of God. Nothing disappoints me. You can't disappoint me by how you act. Whoa, now that's high living right there. If you can get there, man, you're experiencing what Jesus died for. Some people won't experience what Jesus died for until they get to heaven. But if you can start learning how to develop this love walk inside you, you can experience why he died for you now. You can live in this total glory place where it's like, whoa, man. Oh, man, the love of God has secured me. Nothing disappoints me. No human offends, offends me. I'm so offended. It never, never comes out of a mouth. Like, was Jesus ever offended? Did he go to his disciples? I'm so offended. All these people have rejected me. No, because he was experiencing the love of God type of life. He was, he was God. He was this is the realm that we're supposed to live in, a place where you can get crucified by everybody and just say, Lord, just have mercy on them. They don't know what they're doing. You need to be able to look at sinners and say, bunch of dodos, they don't know what they're doing. I'm not going to be offended. You need to look at Christians in your life who aren't living right, acting right, treating you right, and say, Lord, just have mercy on them. They don't know what they're doing. If they knew how much it was hurting me, they'd stop. And then go, step in the other shoes and say, you know what? I, I should be careful how I treat people. And what I say to people, because it might hurt them. Right. See, all of a sudden, the love of God starts dictating how I live my life. Amen. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so this is why you need a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right. 
If you're not close to the Holy Spirit in prayer, and if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to be very difficult to walk in love. You won't experience the love of God much if you can't get real, real, real close to the Holy Spirit. So spirit-filled people actually have an advantage in the love walk because we have the ability to pray in tongues. We have the ability to stir up the gift of God, to stir up the love of God. We pray in tongues and the Holy Spirit starts starts getting our spirit so strong that it can subdue our, our soul, our emotions, all of our personality, all of our abrasiveness, all of our harshness, all of our unkindness. It comes from our personality and our brain and our soul and our emotions. If your spirit is charged with the Holy Ghost by praying in in the spirit, by reading the Bible, feeding your spirit and praying in the spirit, who all of a sudden now, all of a sudden this takes me over. My spirit can overcome my soul. Ah, and that's why when you get near me, it's cool. When, when you get near me, oh yeah, you're going you're gonna to experience some, some good stuff. Hallelujah. Though you, you've read many stories of whether it's Wigglesworth or Finney or whomever, those who get close to God, when others get near them, yes. they sense it. Yes. It's happened to you at work. People at work bothering you too much. They're always wanting to be around you. There's a reason for it. It's not because you're mean. It's because the love of God's coming out somehow. And they just prefer to be around you. So you're going to have to pray in the spirit. The love of God's been shed abroad in there. And, you know, uh, Brother Hagin tells a story about some preachers sitting around one time at a place at, at a church. And they're like, yeah, you, we just need a baptism of love. You know, we just, things aren't going real great. We need a baptism of love. Let's start praying for a baptism of love to happen to the church. Brother Hagin stopped him. He said, stop that, stop that. He said, there's no such thing as a baptism of love. That's not what you need. He said, I think you just need to all get saved. Because <laughs> if you're saved, the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart. So don't start looking for something you already have. Start living up to the level of that positional truth. It's in there. He's called you to it. You're supposed to love one another. It's Christ loved the church. You're supposed to love one another. This is how anybody out there would know you're a Christian is you love one another. Like you got special love for one another. Like, like these two right here, they're sitting so close, you can't even, you couldn't slip a piece of paper between them. And they just met like six months ago. Oh, a year, sorry. All right, so the love of God, and this is why it all works. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Verse six. For when we were still without strength, we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. Wow. He died for the ungodly. He gave his life for the ungodly people out there. So quit getting so mad at them. He died for the ungodly uh, in other countries like Russia. He died for the ungodly in Washington, D.C. And that's where it all goes south tonight. (laughs) This is the truth. He died for the ungodly. You were one of them. You know, people can give their life for some noble cause or give your life for your family. Sacrifice their life. Go to war to save the country or something. Well, Jesus didn't do it that way. He gave his life for ungodly, immoral, corrupt people. He didn't pick his friends. He didn't pick his favorites. He didn't pick the best. He picked the worst. It's a big deal that he did this. He, and so you need to put yourself in there and say, you know what? He, wow. He, he died while I was ungodly. He saved me while I was, he had mercy on me while I was ungodly. That helps you, this helps you build an understanding of true salvation through Christ Jesus, that it wasn't because you were good and it doesn't remain only because you're good. Now that doesn't mean, okay, good. I can just do whatever I want. No, that, that elevates the value of his sacrifice. Verse seven, for scarcely for a righteous man, one will die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. So don't start thinking, well, I was a good person. That's why he saved me. No, while you were a sinner, he saved you. He took care of you long ago, knowing that you were a corrupt sinner. Uh, one, one aspect of Christianity is that you recognize your righteousness is as filthy rags. So you cannot live your life thinking how good you might be. You can't. Sinners do it all the time. You know, well, I'm a pretty good person. Christians do not do that. Don't, don't get into that. Well, I'm, I think I've been pretty good. I've been pretty good. Stop that. Especially if you're going to try to you know, bottle up your goodness and hand it to God. Like, God, here, I've been pretty good, so can I go to the party? Whatever you're going to do. Can I have a, can I have, here, God, you know, I've been pretty good. I prayed a little bit. I prayed, well, not too much. But I went to church, so, well, I ain't going too much. Well, well I, and you start trying to accumulate some sort of merit, be careful of that. It'll, it'll rob you of your closeness to God. It's just not how it works. Seems like it should, but that's not how it works with God. In the same way with your children. What if your child tried to manipulate you like that? Mama, mama, uh, I cleaned my room and I did some extra things. What are they doing? They're trying to bribe you. And you see right through it. I mean, you do it. You, you give them the thing anyway. You're like, well, I guess you did something good, so I'll give you something. But you, you know deep down they bribed you. Doing what they should be doing doesn't merit a prize. <laughs> Jesus used that in a parable, didn't he? He said, don't commend, just because the servant did what he's supposed to do, you don't commend him. He did what he spoke, that was his duty. Oh, you cleaned your room, you, you, you put your dish up, you... That's how wives are treating husbands. Honey, you did so good. Now for husbands, we like that. Notice what I did. I'll take all the applause you can, hand, you can give. Okay, verse nine. Much more then. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So out of all that, much more having been justified by his blood. So he saved us while we were sinners. Now justified by his blood, Glory. we've been saved from the wrath of God. Glory. Saved Glory. from, and, and the interlinear uh, text, which is the original text, it actually has a, a word the in there. Saved from the wrath. Saved from the wrath of God. Talking about the final day and the lake of fire. Saved from the wrath of God because of this. Wow. <clears throat> Having been justified by his blood. Hallelujah. Now we've, we've done, uh, we did the wrath of God, I think, in chapter one, didn't we? Yeah. We went through all the different wrath. Let me just remind us of some of the scripture. I'll read them real quickly. Uh, John three thirty six. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Colossians 3, 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. So either you're a son of God or you're a son of disobedience. Son of disobedience, unsaved, wrath of God is coming for you. Revelation 14, the angel thrust his sickle into the earth. It's the end times. And gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. Revelation 15, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. This is the end times, tribulation time. Tribulation week while we're in heaven. We've been raptured to heaven. We're escaping all this, but this is the wrath of God in the earth that's happening. <clears throat> seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls 
full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. There's some tragic wrath of God stuff coming. That's why we're helping people escape it. You're never going to have to experience, if you walk with Jesus, if you're sincere about the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never have to experience the wrath of God. If you're saved, if, you, if you're really saved, you never experience the wrath of God. Verse 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 1, then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Hallelujah. Now, Pastor Johnny's going to do some teaching uh, this year on what happens to the saint after the rapture. But first, she's going to help make sure all the saints get to go in the rapture. A lot of times people major on what's happening in the earth when the saints are gone. But you do need to make sure that you're gone. There are some stipulation about who gets to go in the rapture. Praise the Lord. So we shall be saved from wrath, having been justified by his blood. Understand this about the blood of Jesus. Uh, it is the reason why we get to be saved. It's why you get to be forgiven. The blood is the atonement sacrifice for your life to cover sin and even now to expunge all of your sin. Uh, the blood of Jesus is the ever-living substance that speaks in heaven, reminding all of creation, we're saved. I have redeemed the human race. The blood is constantly alive. Why? Because the life is in the blood. Jesus presented his blood on the altar in heaven. Animal blood in the law of Moses was sprinkled all over the place to atone for sin. But now the blood of Jesus speaks in heaven better things than what Abel's blood spoke. The blood is alive and it actually talks in some way. It projects truth. It tells the story. So we're justified by his blood. A life for a life. Jesus' spotless, sinless, untainted life of holiness and righteousness was sacrificed as payment for our corrupted, immoral sin nature. He paid for it. He justified us by his blood. And so everything is really, everything we have is because of this blood of Jesus Christ. So you need to be okay with talking about the blood of Jesus in church. Some people are like, oh, I don't know blood. I don't know. You, you got to understand how important blood is. We've done lots of teaching on covenant blood and, and what that really means. But just recognize the blood of Jesus has purchased you. Amen. He paid for you. Amen. He paid for us. And we're, and we're righteous because of it. We're accepted by God only because of it. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And that's why Jesus made this statement that's very obscure to us. He said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you have no part with me. Now, he's not saying do it physically. Not saying do it physically. Uh, his physical flesh and blood is gone. And the communion elements don't turn into his flesh and blood. It's a symbol only. And really it refers to not just taking communion. That's the symbol of what's supposed to happen where you partake of Christ in every way. Where you accept his death and his life. Where his atonement is yours. Where you are uh, really, he substituted himself for you. You were supposed to die and go to hell. You were supposed to be separated from God. You were supposed to have to pay for your sin he, substitute, he stood in and substitute teacher. We've got a substitute today. He saved you from having to go to hell. And then after he substituted himself, you now must identify with him. We must identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The symbol of that reality is what we do in the baptismal. Or in any pool of water. Somebody dunks you in the water symbolizing the death and burial of Jesus. 
so that you can understand I'm identifying with him. He became as we were so that we could become as he is. So that's, that's, that right there, that statement is your assignment for the rest of your life. To learn how to identify with the risen Christ. It's the, it's the, the lifelong pursuit. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Verse 10, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, what do you mean enemy? Enemies to God. Unsaved people are all enemies to God. And, and the other statement is that all sinners, all unsaved people have a father and his name is devil. You know that. All unsaved people have a father and his name is Satan. Either your father is Satan who rules the world or your father is God who rules the kingdom. And if we were enemies, when we were, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. That word in the King James, atonement, same thing, reconciliation from 2 Corinthians 5 that he has given unto us the word of reconciliation, reconciled us to himself and committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. This whole idea is that God wanted to reconcile the whole world. And so he did that through Jesus Christ. And then he told us, okay, here's the word of this. Now go spread it so that you would have a ministry. Every one of you already have a ministry and it's to reconcile the next person to Jesus Christ. It's to help the next person receive the atonement to help the next person be justified by the blood of Jesus, you gotta tell them. Everyone in here already has the ministry of reconciliation. You gotta go tell the next person. Every single one of you already have a ministry. And it doesn't need a sticker on your door. It just needs a reality in your heart. Oh, I'm a reconciler of the next person. I have a ministry and I'm to get the next person saved and in the kingdom, that's my duty. Praise the Lord. The first part of that scripture says we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, rejoicing is supposed to be part of the Christian life. There's, you'll see that throughout the New Testament, especially rejoice. Joy in the Lord. Rejoice in God. Have you ever done that? Do you know what it feels like to rejoice in God? To have joy because of spiritual truth. You need to. Every Christian needs to learn how to joy in the Lord or rejoice in the Lord. I mean, even pagans, unsaved people out there, they can all joy in material blessings. They get all happy. They, now you got pagans out there saying, I'm so blessed. What does that mean? That, that means they're acknowledging that some good stuff has happened to them. Well, the only reason it's happened is because God sends rain on the just and the unjust. His, he loves people so much, he, he, he lets unsaved pagans have some blessing. And they can all be happy with the material side of things, but don't relegate that to yourself. That's not enough for you. You can't just be excited about the, the physical things that God does in your life. You can't postpone all your rejoicing for the day that you finally get the X, Y, Z. You have to learn how to rejoice in the Lord. You have to uh, glory in tribulations. You have to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You have to be this excited Christian all the time, no matter how life's going. So how are you doing at that? I mean, really, how are you doing at that? Put it, fill out the connect card in front of you. Put your grade if you want to. Be accountable. Make yourself accountable to somebody. They, oh, I'm going to put my name and, and I don't know if I'm doing all that great in the... No, don't do that. It'll just waste paper. <laughs> do it at home and keep it in front of yourself and grade yourself. Right. You know, your Christian life is not about other people grading you. And so a lot of times people do all this surface stuff for others to see or not see and they kind of fabricate in their own soul how well they're doing. I'm doing pretty good, you know. I, 
looks, they think everything's good, so everything's pretty good. No, you've got to judge yourself. You've got to test yourself. The Bible says test yourselves, whether you're really in the faith or whether you're walking in faith. You can take it that far. Judge your own self and you won't be judged. Live as if, I mean, there is somebody that actually knows everything, right? I mean, you're not trying to fool him, are you? Don't fool God, don't fool yourself. Judge yourself and make sure that you're doing some of these things. So when you feel convicted in church, uh, just write it down and just think about it later. Say, okay, I'm going to start glorying in God a little bit more. There was a season I put it on my calendar. I did a recurring event on my calendar. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Count it all. Just to make sure I was given some verbal joy in life. Praise the Lord. It'll help you. It'll help you remember, oh, that's what I'm supposed to. What do, you, what do I got to do? What's your to-do list today? Oh, I got to count it all joy today. I got a glory in tribulation. You can't live your life going to work thinking how bad it's going to be and how much you got going on and all the difficulties. You got a glory and tribulate. Glory to God. I got a full day's work ahead of me. Praise the Lord. Sounds all fun and easy here, doesn't it? That's why you got to put it on your calendar, remind you. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Verse 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. There, there, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who's a type of him who, who is to come, who was to come. Okay, let's go back to verse 12. Through one man's sin entered the world, death through sin. Death spread to all men because all sinned. All right. It's referring to Adam, obviously. And the rest of the chapter is going to kind of fill in all this. Uh, but it's referring to Adam. Through one man, death, sin and death, entered the world. I had a friend that I used to, a good friend from high school, college, uh, when I got into the kingdom, I started witnessing to him, trying to help him. I'd take him to a couple conventions. And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know about all this stuff. And, but, but he was interested. I bought him a little Bible. And uh, after one of the conventions, uh, we're walking to the car driving or something. And, and he says, he says, you know, it only makes sense. Now, he had never read this. We'd ne this was not a lesson that he had just learned. But he walked away explaining the gospel to himself. He said, you know, it only makes sense if, if sin came into the world through one man, that one man could then save the world. I'm like, that's in the Bible, man. You're closer than you think. But that's the reality of it. You think it's almost unfair. Like, well, how come I have to be judged with Adam's sin? Well, because you were born of his seed. That's why. You know, the angels all rebelled against God, but they were never created from just one angel. They were all created at the same time is the way the scripture shows it. So they all made their own individual choice to stay with God or to be, a, to be cast out. But humans aren't like that. We were born all from Adam, so we're all corrupt. It's just the way it is. And so you have to uh, take plan B from God. Plan A was no sin. Plan B is sin plus redemption. You have to jump on the redemption train and be saved from your old self. Simple as that. Through one man, sin came in and death by sin. Therefore, all have sinned. Not the same way. We didn't all become sinners by disobeying a word from God. Adam disobeyed a word from God. You didn't. To become a sinner, all you had to do was get born. And that's what he's saying here. Not after the way that he transgressed, but you're a transgressor. Verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin's not imputed when there is no law. So there were people, I mean, the sin nature and sinning was prevalent and existed before the law of Moses. It just wasn't imputed. Like Cain killed Abel and God didn't kill him. It's like, why didn't God just zap him? Because sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now, after the flood of Noah, God said, 
anybody that kills his life will be required. Uh, but then again, until the law of sin was in the world, sin's not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses. So even before law, death still ruled. And, and death ruled even after the law as well. So it's not saying it only reigned until Moses, just saying in this context, talking about sin and, and creation, time period. Nevertheless, death reigned in that period, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who's a type of him who was to come. Adam is the first man. Jesus is the second man. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Verse 16, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. So everybody got judged and condemned by the one man, but everybody, by the free gift, through one man, gets justified. You just have to receive the one man. Verse 17, for if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Glory. Glory. Now that's a lot of words and then it's like, okay, well, can I just hurry up and finish reading this? Uh, but then you start reading stuff like reign in life and there's your answer for all of your life. You got all these issues, all these things going on. Uh, you're supposed to be able to reign in life because of this gift. Reign in life, not R-A-I-N, but we're talking about ruling like a king. We're talking about dominating. We're talking about having victory. We're talking about walking in a place where you're kind of like a king, or we could say exactly like a king in your domain. Now you can't rule the city right now, but you can rule your domain. The things that you're involved in, the things that you have responsibility for, your family, your home, your uh, atmosphere, your life, yourself, your heart, your mind, you can rule there. Particularly, you can rule and reign over sin. I said you can reign over sin. The enemy of your life is sin. Devil. You can reign over the devil in your life and reign over temptation in your life. Reign over sin, reign over sickness, reign over crazy, wicked, twisted, unseen world. You get to reign in life. You just need to learn how to do it. You need to learn how to do it, then you need to do it. It feels good when you're with a bunch of people and, oh yeah, let's, let's do it, let's conquer. And then at home, it's like, oh. You got to reign in life. You're supposed to reign in life. You can reign in life. Man, that's what it's all about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You need this. You need this. Because of Adam's sin, death came in. And that, that means spiritual death. Spiritual, physical death, but also spiritual death. And what happened with Adam is he lost his total God consciousness. He had perfect God consciousness. When Adam and Eve were created before sin, perfect God consciousness. Man, they walked with God in the cool of the day. Didn't even, they were so conscious of God, they didn't know they were naked. They were so conscious of God, they didn't know they needed clothes. They were so uh, non-conscious of the flesh, they didn't even recognize it. I have a feeling that Adam chased Eve around the Garden of Eden not because of the physical, but because of the glory. But then, then they sinned and they became totally self-conscious, totally selfish conscious, totally 
flesh conscious and lost all God consciousness. They lost all God consciousness. God separated himself. They, they died. They went to sleep unto God. Totally self-conscious began to hide themselves from God. Now they recognize all of self's issues. Well, Jesus gives us an escape from that death. Now you can be alive unto God. Now you can come alive unto God. Now you can have a new consciousness of God. The only difference is you're still in a fallen flesh, so you have to overcome it by faith. You don't get to just walk around in the glory of God. You have to exercise your faith and reign over your selfish flesh in order to stay in close contact with God. It's the only difference. One day we will have full redemption of our body. It'll be glorified as well. It'll be changed and glorified at some point when Jesus comes, our, our body's glorified. It'll be back to normal. Right now, we're on the way. So you have to overcome your flesh and your selfish life by faith, which begins by learning. Not trying, it begins by learning. Romans 6 gives us our positional truth. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Romans 6 begins our positional truth of victory. Our, our stance, our place of victory because we're righteous, justified. You're going to see in there that we are freed from sin. He that is dead is freed from sin. You're going to see some positional truth in chapter 6. Then chapter 7 is, some of you have read, read these, uh, chapter 7 is Paul describing the, the flesh challenges of someone who is so self-conscious trying to get victory, which is not the way you do it. Amen. You got to go into Romans 8 and learn how the Holy Spirit and the power of God can help you uh, dynamically apply spiritual reality into your life to appropriate the promise of victory and dominance and reigning and overcoming the sin, the world, the devil. Make sense? So these three next chapters are going to be kind of fun, but we're not even finished with five. So, First uh, uh, John says that we know, we know. Okay, so you need you and I recognize you were dead in sins, dead as a sinner, but now you're alive, and the way you know it. The Bible says, 1 John, that we know we have passed from death unto life. We know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Right. Right. One way you know, I mean, there's a couple ways to know that you've passed from death to life. You're born again and there's some changes in there. One way you know for sure is that you now love the brethren. Amen. The Hutheran? That's the Bible way. Another translation says, you love the brothers and sisters in Christ. One way you know that you've passed from true death to life, or from death to true life, is that you love Christians. Extra. You meet a Christian, something in your spirit says, hello! I'm telling you, if you have never felt that, I ain't so sure about your salvation. And if you are really saved, you felt it. You meet a Christian out there, it's like, ah, me too. Let's, let's sit down and talk. I'm, I'm trying to look at everybody's face. I want you to love Christians. You have to love Christians extra. You need to come to church and something in you is, is, is yearning. Oh, I love, oh, I love that. I don't even know, I don't even know their name, man. I've only met them 55 times. I still don't know their name, but man, I love them. I love them. I love them. Oh, I love them. You see somebody worship and you look over. Oh, I love them. You see somebody loving somebody else. Oh, I just love these people. I don't know any of them, but I love them. Listen, that's a sign that you've passed from death to life. Amen. 
And so I know some, everybody's in a different place and, and you get saved and some people are, are really oppressed and suppressed and they've got all this uh, trouble in their heart they need to be healed from. I get that. So there's a little grace period. There's a time where you're barely able to come into the building. It's like, oh man, I don't know if I can handle this today. I don't really want to see anybody or sit next to anybody. Can I please sit in the furthest seat? I understand that there's people like that and, and there's, there's grace and space and, and mercy from everybody. You understand? Uh, but, but, but at least realize the goal, at least realize what's available to you. I know you may not be there, but that is what it's supposed to be like. So use it as a motivator for yourself, not to condemn yourself. Like don't sit there and hear this and think, well, I don't like anybody. So I guess I'm not saved. I guess I'll just quit everything. No, man, be a, be a believer. Some people just take everything so negatively. Isn't that right? Don't, don't ever do that. Be a hopeful believer when you hear good truth from God's word. Don't be negative and pessimistic and grumble about it. Use it as like, okay, okay, I see, I see, I see. It's like, you know, if you, if anybody ever played sports when you were young? Just a couple of you. Anybody ever watch sports? If I ever see a game of anything anywhere on any television. <laughs> Listen, one of the, one of the things with, with sports is you have a, uh, this guy called, or this lady called a coach. And that's why a lot of people don't play sports. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I don't want anybody getting in my face tell me how much to run. Hey, to be honest, I have to, I have to well, let me, tell a, let me tell a story on my friend before I tell one on myself. <laughs> Growing up, had a good friend, uh, played baseball, played football together. And uh, we got to middle school, and he's trying out for the football team. And uh, he's kind of an honorary fella. And uh, trying to... He's on the line, and the coach is telling him, hit that, because they got these uh, dummies, uh, you know, the, the padded dummies. I don't know if it was a skid, but it was at least somebody holding a, whatever they call them, the pad, the te- whatever. And you got you to gotta hit it like you're blocking, you know. It's your, instead of full contact with a person, you get to hit the dummy. And uh, my friend wasn't really doing it with much effort, and so the coach is on him, man. He's like, you got to hit that dummy, hit that dummy, hit that dummy. And my friend was so mad at the coach, he stood up and he went, boom, and he hit, he hit the thing with his fist. The coach kicked him off the team. There goes my friend. He didn't like being coached. He didn't like being inspired to do what was right. I told the whole little silly story just to remind you. You're going to have to let the Lord Jesus tell you what to do and not be mad at him and not pout and walk off the field. Got it? I mean, granted, so my story was, you know, I saw how I played sports for a long time, but when you got to middle school and high school, the coaches got a little more demanding. And I I didn't appreciate it. (laughs) I had heard how they put so much pain on the students that almost kills them. And back then, they didn't understand how important water was. You know, back then, we didn't get water bottles. We didn't get Gatorade. They, they gave us an ice chest full of crushed ice, and all you got to do was suck the ice. Tried to kill us, what they did. My mom would make me a little water. This is before water bottles, before they made, sold water bottles. This is how old I am. She would have to make me a container with a lid on it full of lemon water. She would say, now you hide this and drink it when you need it. She was so mad at the coaches who wouldn't let, anyway, anyway, okay. So I got to high school, I'm like, forget that football stuff. I'm playing baseball. <laughs> anyway, none of, that, none of that meant anything, but you need to let the Lord Jesus coach you, command you, correct you, inspire you, motivate you. Don't get mad at him. Don't get condemned when you hear truth. Don't get... I mean, you need to be convicted. Your your spirit is going to convict you in church and when you read the Bible. And even going through life, your spirit is going to voice to your head, hey, dude. Your spirit's going to check you. Hey, 
Hey, that's you. Hey, you need to. Hey, don't. Hey, do. Hey, come on. No, come on. Your spirit is going to say, it's going to always talk to you. If you're, if you're serious with God, it'll always talk to you. Now, if you're not serious, if you ever get rebellious and backslidden, it'll quit talking. Or, or, or we could say this way, you won't hear anything. You'll be seared. Your conscience will be seared like a hot iron. That's what the Bible says. Having their conscience seared as with a hot iron. Where all of a sudden, uh, you, you're in a place where you don't even care that you're in sin. It's a dangerous place to be. And that's why you don't want to keep sinning. You stay fresh with God, stay sincere about the Lord, and your conscience will always direct you and guide you. And you know what to do. For the big things and the little things. So deep down, you know when the saints are assembling, you ought to be there. That's just a simple example. You know. You know that your eggs and bacon on Sunday morning are not as, and pancakes and, and grits are not as important as getting to church. Okay, you can have both, don't you? Do you realize you can have both? That's God confirming you can have both. And your conscience also knows that you ought not be dating that lady. Con- you, know, you, know, you know not to go there. You know not to answer that text. You, you know you not ought to get involved with that guy. Deep down, you know these things. It would sure help me if you would notice that before you get to the counseling office. But in church, don't feel condemned when, when the hammer comes down, Amen. just let it, just, just be broken by the word and say, okay, okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Shouldn't have to take you forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> All right, we'll, we'll try to wrap up here. I guess we're not going to get to six, but let's finish five. Verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so so by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. I can't say it any better. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Remember, we already found out that the reason for the law was to prove that all are under sin. It was to show that everybody's a sinner. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So even though you were so ungodly, there's actually so much more grace. Even though you've been such a... Wavering Christian, there's more grace. Even though you've not been as good as you should have been or could have been, there's more grace for you. And it never runs out. The grace of God, God really never runs out. If you can have faith, the grace of God will never run out for you. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He gave them, he ain't taking them back. Now you may fail to access because you don't believe right. But his grace is there. So where sin abounded, grace did abound much more. So if your sin nature was pretty heavy, grace is heavier. So where, anytime you start thinking, oh boy, I've just sinned too much. There's a little bit more grace than your sin. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ our Lord. So as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, grace, the favor of God, the ability of God, the gift of God, uh, the unmerited You didn't earn it, grace, that you got only by faith in Jesus Christ. It actually reigns in life by righteousness, reign through righteousness, meaning the reason that it reigns is because you're now close to God. You're now accepted by God. 
you're now legally allowed to God. That's why grace rules. You're close to him. Mm -hmm. You come boldly to the throne. Now you're with God. Now you sit on the Lord's lap. Now you're, you don't have to holler out. You don't have to feel distant. So because you're close to God, you can reign. Tonight, you're driving home in the car, you reign. That means you can rule over your sin. You can rule over your flesh. That means you can be nice to your wife. I'm sorry, nice to your wife. Paul, when are you going to get nice to your wife on the way home? You can reign because you're close to God. That means you don't have to be offended at home. You don't have to be mad at home. You don't have to be upset with your people at home. Do you have people at home? You. You have people at home? She's amen and pretty loud. I, I was wondering, it might be because you don't have any people at home. Yeah, it makes, yeah, that's wonderful. But when you got people at home, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do it. You can do it. Come on, this is earth life. This is it. This is where you score the points. You get heavenly treasure if you can do this stuff in earth. I can't have you run around all disappointed and discouraged about things didn't go your way. I just can't have it. Amen. You cannot be a Christian running around discouraged and disappointed about everything that didn't go your way. That's you get no treasure for that. Right. You're losing points and you're losing points in heaven. <laughs> points do not get you saved. You cannot earn salvation points and you can't lose salvation points, but you can certainly earn treasure and lose treasure. All of your works in the earth get tossed in the fire and tried by fire. All of your good stuff you did with the right heart and the right motive in the name of Jesus with the love of God in you, all that stuff gets thrown in the fire. And if it was pure, it comes out as treasure. Some people want like gold, silver, and precious stones. Other people want motorcycles and boats. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, I don't think you're going to need those in heaven. Somehow those stones are going to be so precious oh, yes. in heaven. Yes. So the ladies got a leg up on us, guys. They're already excited about it. For, for guys, it's like gold, silver, and precious stones. Does it have a motor? Do they have, can I fish in that river? You know, guys are thinking action and function and And you know, if you're a surfer, oh, that would be so sad. There's no surfing. Because in the new heaven and new earth, there is no more sea. This is my favorite place to be, is at the beach. I bet we have a replica. I bet we have something that... I wonder if heaven would be better than earth. You know, really, we were made, we were made for the earth. We were never really made for heaven. He made the earth and put us in the earth to rule the earth, dominate the earth, supply the earth, replenish the earth, and just have a good life in the earth. We were made here. And that's why we're going to come back with Jesus to rule the earth for a thousand years. We were made for the earth. Now, we were made to be close to God in the earth. Like heaven and earth were not separated. In the Garden of Eden before sin, heaven and earth weren't separated. God just walked out of his door and come into the garden and, and hang out with the people. So the bottom line is we got to be with God. I don't care where, but I got to be with him. So stop being too tied to the earth, even though we were created for this. So the stuff we like here is probably going to be found in heaven uh, or, or, or multiplied and better, right? Praise the Lord. But while we're here, yeah, no calories. You can eat all day long if you want to. You just won't want to. That's true. So we're, we are called to reign in this earth, okay? So whatever's dogging your life, dominate that. That's Recognize, right. you know what? In the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to take authority. Right. First, you start with your mouth. Yes. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to dominate. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I refuse right. this to have dominance in me. 
I'm not going to think this way. I'm not going to act this way. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to talk this way. I'm not going to let my uh, uh, emotion rule me. I'm not going to be personally offended at everything. Like, you can just go ahead and talk about me if you want to. You, you can go ahead and, 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 and not act right toward me. Right? I'm still going to love you. Now, I might have to grab you. Stop doing that. Some people you have compassion on, others you save with fear. Are you scared? Are you scared yet? <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. That's enough for tonight, I guess. Is everybody happy? All right. You're further along? Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.